0: Lift up your hands. Let's just take a moment to say thank you to the Lord. Come and lift up your heart. Father, we thank you. Oh, Father, we bless you in this place. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. And worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. You are holy. Holy. Are you Lord God Almighty? And worthy is a lamb. Worthy is, come on, you are holy. You are holy. Holy. Are you Lord God Almighty? Come on, worthy. Worthy is a lamb. Worthy, Alleluia. Amen, Alleluia. Amen. We love You, Jesus. We say Hallelujah. Come, lift your voice and say, We say Hallelujah. For the Lord God Almighty We say. voice and say for the Lord for the Lord God Lift your hands lift your, hand, your hands, Holy, Are you Worthy is a lamb. Worthy is a lamb. Worthy. Is the lamb. Worthy is a lamb. Worthy, worthy. Worthy is a lamb. 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 Worthy is holy is the lamb. Say, holy is the lamb. Holy. Righteous is the, Lamb. Righteous, Righteous is the Lamb. Lamb. Righteous is the Lamb. Righteous is the Lamb. Holy. and as my word says be still and know that I am your God be still and know that I am working out your situation be still and know that I'm right in the middle of the fire with you You are not alone don't allow your mind your will your emotions to convince you that you're alone for I am your God and I've already said I will never leave you and I will never forsake you that means in the middle of the valley that means in the middle of the fire That means in the toughest situations of your life, I'm not watching you go through it. I'm with you in the middle of it. So convince yourself right now. Wake your soul and say, stand up, my soul, and trust in God. For I'm your Lord, your God. I've been on your side. I've been there with you every step of the way. And you have my solemn word. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. I will guide you through this. And my power is available to turn the situation around. But you've got to put your eyes on me. Get your eyes off of the circumstance. Get your eyes off of the situation. Get your ears off of what they said and what they have told you. Get your eyes off of the Internet and what the Internet has told you about your situation. Put your trust in me. And if you put your trust in me, you will see I'm not going to work it out. I've already worked it out. And the very reason why I've allowed it to even extend this long is because I'm working character on the inside of you i'm teaching you how to get your answer i'm teaching you how to put your trust in me i'm teaching you how to come to me to hear what i have to say and if you come to me you'll see that i'll put a calm in your spirit i'll give you a peace that passes all understanding and i'll make every one of your enemies bow down and understand that i am the lord your god so instead of waiting until you've seen the light of day instead of waiting until you've seen the turnaround let your soul celebrate in the middle of the battle. Let your soul be reminded that I am on your side and let your soul be reminded that victory has to come out of this situation, says the Lord God Almighty.
1: Come on, lift your voice
0: and bless me. Come on, lift your voice and bless me. Come on, lift your voice and bless me. We thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for your word today. It's a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our pathway. We put our full trust in you. Thank you for guiding us and teaching us. We are listening, Father. and We know you're leading us and directing us to know what to do. So we love you. We honor you. We thank you for today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said... Amen. Amen. Before you see seated, turn around and high-five two or three people. Tell them you better listen to what God had to say. Man, that's good. <laughs> Woo! I love when God just kind of interrupts the program like that. If you're new or if you're not familiar with what just took place, that's the operation of the gifts of the Spirit through the vocal gift of prophecy, man. And actually, the last several months, I've been teaching about the spiritual gifts, and I'd encourage you to go to our, our website, weareimpact.com, and look up the, uh, the media on there, and you can go back and listen to the last few month's worth of messages. In fact, the last month in particular is when I ministered on the vocal gifts, and it'll, it'll help you understand what God does when he has moments like that, man. Well, we are still in this series. We've been on for the last couple weeks entitled Be Listening, and actually today was supposed to be the wrap-up, but I just got in my heart that we need to extend it one more week. I got something else next week that I want to wrap this up with, and in fact, next week in particular, I want to teach you. You know, we've been telling you about how to go to Scripture, let Scripture be in your heart, and and the scripture is God's word, will. So if you want to know the will of God, you go to the Bible, see what He has to say. But how I many you know there's some things that you need an answer on that aren't specifically listed in the Bible? Amen. You know, the Bible doesn't say buy this house instead of that house, Amen. the Bible doesn't say date this guy instead of that guy. Amen. I mean, I wish the Bible did, and some of you wouldn't be messing up some stuff like that, but. The Bible doesn't give specifics about what's happening in your day-to-day life, but there is still a way for you to know what God's will is. And in fact, one of the reasons why some prayer, a lot of our prayers sometimes go unanswered, is because we start praying about stuff that we don't even know if it's God's will yet. We see a new job posting and it's making more money, it's doing something we would like to do. So we go and start praying for it. We call up all of our friends, tell them to help us pray for it. And then when it doesn't happen, we, we, we get frustrated. But the thing is that the thing that we can be sure that God will answer are the prayers we pray in line with his will. And so next week, I want to wrap this up by just teaching you how to go to God before you even start praying and to know what his will is. Because you can know God is not mysterious. I know we grew up hearing that God works in mysterious ways, his wonders to perform. God is not mysterious. God will absolutely show you his will. In fact, can I say this? He has to show you his will. He cannot hold you accountable for doing his will if he's playing hide and seek and won't tell you which one is his will. The problem is so many times we don't slow down long enough because we're, 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 we're rushing and we're, we're, I'm about to preach next week's message. <laughs> we're rushing and we're, we're trying to hurry to get to it before somebody else takes our job. So we start praying about stuff that we don't quite know it's his will. I'm going to teach you next week how to slow down and know when something is the will of God. Can I get an amen, somebody? Amen. All right, Mark chapter 4, verse 23. This is our text verse. If any man has ears to hear, let him do what? I can't hear you. Let him do what? Let him be listening and let him perceive and let him comprehend. We've told you that we need to be listening for protection because we are living in some really dangerous times. Shout out man, somebody. We told you we need to be listening for God's direction so that we don't end up wasting our lives. Man, we need to know what is God saying. We don't have time to waste. Time is too short. And then another reason that we need to be listening is because hearing from God produces the faith that we need to make it through the storm. Amen. Right in the middle of the storm. I mean, that's what God just did right there. Hearing from God in the middle of the storm gives us the faith that we need to make it through the storm. Over in Acts chapter 27, there's a story about the apostle Paul, and he's literally going through a storm. At sea. He's on a ship, he's on a boat, and he's going through a storm. They, 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 they have a storm that hits them called a uroclodon. It's really like a hurricane. They're in a hurricane-style wind out at sea, and in the middle of the sea, the, the, the whole vessel is, is in danger of capsizing and killing everybody on board. And the, 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 str- the issue is that he's in this situation that he didn't even create. It's one thing to end up in a storm because you did something and, and ended up there. He's in this storm, and it wasn't even his fault. In fact, when they got ready to board the ship, Paul didn't have peace to board the ship. I'll teach you about that next week. He didn't have peace to get on the ship. The only problem is he's a prisoner. And because he's a prisoner, the, the, the guards and the officers, they completely overruled him. They disregarded him. They boarded the ship anyway in a hurry to get the way they're trying to go. And out in the middle of the sea, they end up in the middle of a big time storm. Anybody ever ended up in a storm that wasn't because of something you did? Well, now, Paul finds himself in that situation. The Bible says in Acts 27, verse 20, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we, including Paul, we finally gave up all hope that we might be saved. After they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and this loss. He says, but now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Well, how do you know that, Paul? Because last night an angel of God, the God who I I belong to and who I serve, he stood beside me and he said, do not be afraid, Paul. Now, how many know the angel won't say don't be afraid unless Paul was afraid? So even the apostle Paul had a moment there where he's starting to question if I'm going to make it out of this. He said, you must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all the people you are sailing with. That's my confession every time I get on a plane. Not only am I going to live, but everybody on this plane is going to live. Come on, that means ain't nobody dying of a heart attack while I'm on this plane. And I say that because, I mean, I got right standing with God. Come on, man, act like you believe this. I've got right standing with God. So I lay claim to my life and every life on board this plane while I'm here. He said, so keep up your courage, men. Here it is. For I have faith in God that it will happen just like he told me. Amen. Come on, I mean, that's what genuine trust looks like and sounds like. When you can say out of your mouth, I have faith that it will happen just like God told me. In fact, say that a lot. I, I have faith that it will happen just like God told me. Come on, say it again. Say, I have faith, I have faith that it will happen just like God told me. So that means even if I have to deal with some things that I'd rather not have to faith, when it's it's all said and done, I have faith. This thing's going to work out just like God said. I have faith that I'll come out on the other side without even having the smell of smoke on my clothes. Well, now, we started last week giving you these seven keys to improve your hearing. We're, we're, We're trying to focus in on how do I get better at hearing from God? How do I get better at knowing when God is talking to me? And first thing we told you last week is that you must believe that God is talking to you. So stop saying, I don't know God's voice. I don't don't know when God's talking to me or not. Start saying out of your mouth, I know God is talking to me. I know when God is talking to me. And I promise you, as you continue to declare by faith that you know God is talking to you and you know what his voice sounds like, God will continue to fine-tune your hearing. Second thing we told you last week is that you got to work diligently to develop your spirit. Remember, God is a spirit. And because God is a spirit, we are spirit beings. Remember, the Bible says we're made in his image and after his likeness. That don't mean that we have the same skin complexion or the same hair texture. It means that God is spirit and we are spirit too. Amen. So that means, why says God, when he communicates with us, he's communicating spirit to spirit. He's not communicating spirit to intellect. Don't get me wrong. I mean, we ought to develop our intellect. You ought to get as much education as you can. Just never let your education outweigh God. Amen. He's not communicating spirit to emotions. Which is why before you make a major decision, slow down long enough to let your emotions die down. He's not communicating spirit to will, which means everything God wants us to do doesn't always line up with what we want to do. Sometimes he's telling us to do something that our flesh, naturally speaking, doesn't want to do. Jesus experienced that in the Garden of Gethsemane. He didn't want to go all the way to the cross. But when you're communicating spirit to spirit, your answer is like Jesus, nevertheless, not my will, your will be done. We also told you, number three, got to yield to the voice of your conscience. The Holy Spirit is the one living on the inside of us. And that means that your spirit already has the right answer. Your spirit is already convicting you, not not condemning you, but convicting you. Conviction is that little buzzer on the inside that says, no, 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 let's, let's not go there. The, the conviction is a little buzzer on the inside when you when you wake up the next day and your spirit is like, "Nah, that's not what we should have done." And if we learn to listen to the voice of our conscience, our spirit will stay sensitive to God. As we continue to override the voice of our conscience, our spirit becomes dull. Come on, wake up, guys! Wake up like I'm the new edition last night. Oh, I saw somebody out that's a new edition. Now most of them are still at home hey guys we miss y'all fourth thing I told you last week you got to slow down and rest I mean know that your body being too tired your mind being too tired can hinder your sensitivity to recognizing what God said that's why my my team hates it when I I mean they love me to get a chance to get away get some rest but every time I come back they get nervous because when I've been away and had a chance to rest, I can get a chance to calm down and clear my mind. I start hearing all kind of stuff God is saying. Oh, I says, it's not like he waits for me to go on vacation to start talking. He's been talking all along, but sometimes you can be so busy or so tired that it's harder to discern what he is actually saying. Amen. Can I get an amen, somebody? Amen. Let's continue with these, with these seven keys. N- n- number <clears throat> number uh, five is this. we got to learn how to listen for the voice of God in every circumstance. Learn how to listen for his voice in every circumstance. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with most of your heart. Trust in the Lord with some of your heart. No, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Watch this next phrase. Seek his will in what? Come on, seek his will in what? Come on, I can't hear you. Seek his will in What? Seek his will in all, every single thing that you do, and he will show you which path to take. How many believe God is telling the truth? Come on, how many believe that if you actually slow down enough to seek his will, I want to know what you want me to do. The problem is sometimes we don't want to know what he wants us to do because sometimes we're afraid that what he wants us to do is different than what we want to do. But he said if you seek his will in every single thing that you do, he will actually show you which path to take. Now, if you look up that phrase, seek his will, in, in the Hebrew, in, in the King James, it says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. If you look up that phrase, it's the Hebrew word yada, Y-A-D-A, and it literally means to know intimately. No, intimately, almost like, like, like a husband and wife knowing each other. It's the same word that's used in, in Genesis 4, I believe, verse 1, when it says, and Adam knew his wife. Adam yadahed his wife. So the Bible says, before you make a decision, slow down and intimately get connected with God. Slow down and intimately put before God what you're thinking about doing so he can give you some direction, and his direction will lead you in the right path. Listen to this quote. God will give us daily instruction, about his will concerning any area of our lives if we are willing to listen. So that means that seeking God's will in all you do, in all you do, that means more than just seeking his will for the big matters. When it comes to a surgery, yeah, we'll seek God's will. I need to know what God wants me to do. When it comes to a, a move out of the country, or maybe even a move out of the state, many times we'll seek his will. But God wants us to get to the place where we seek him in even the small matters. See, can I just say this? Every matter we seek God about is small to him. I mean, we think something I don't need to talk to God about this, this is a small matter. Even that major surgery is still a small matter to God. And so we got to learn how to seek God even in the small matters. See, because if we seek him and he shows us which path to take, the end result is we end up winning more. And I don't mean that you get, you know, get weird with it. You, you don't have to seek God about whether or not to brush your teeth in the morning. I can tell you the word, Lord, brush your teeth. <laughs> come on, for, for your neighbor's sake. Come on, brush your teeth in the morning. Yeah? Come on, I mean, are certain things you just don't have to seek God about. You don't have, if you stand in the middle of the, of the street and a big truck is coming your way, you don't have to seek God about should you get out of the street. It is absolutely the will of God for you to get to the curb and be safe, somebody. But when it comes to things that we sometimes don't think about talking to God about, like if you've got to go up to the school to talk to the teacher about something going on with your child, Seek God first. Well, I mean, if you see God first, then you won't go up there and act all ignorant and be on the news getting arrested. And if, if you get arrested, tell them you go to Bethel. Tell them, you go, you, <laughs> tell them you're, you, you're part of Rudolph McKissick's church. Tell them. I, tell them I, I'm, I'm giving you permission. Tell them you go to. <laughs> that's my guy, I can have fun with But if you get arrested, man, it's because you didn't slow down to see God. Even if you're an employer, watch this, and you got to reprimand an employee. Seek God first. Because sometimes we just do what seems to make sense without slowing down to ask God, and God might give you another side of it that you haven't paid attention to. Can I get an amen, somebody? I said, can I get an amen, somebody? Before you head out to go on vacation, seek God about it. I mean, you got to go on a three-week fast, but just seek God. Make sure you have peace in your heart that this is the right vacation to take. This is the right destination to head to. I told you God will not allow you to end up in the middle of a tragedy without attempting to steer you around at first. Amen. But so many times we, look, we make a decision about where we're going on vacation based on the deal. They gave me $500 off, so I'm going. Well, slow down enough to ask God, is this the right decision to make? Amen. Shout amen, somebody. Amen. Now, sometimes acknowledging God means taking a season of prayer and sometimes it simply means doing what we call checking your spirit. Both of those are acknowledging God. See, it's kind of like the difference between, you know, if I run into a friend that I haven't seen in a couple of years, maybe several months, if they walk in, I'm not just going to go the other way like I don't see them. I'm going to acknowledge them. But acknowledging that friend that I haven't talked to in a minute, we may sit there, we may take an hour to catch up, man. And then sometimes acknowledging simply means giving a Detroit what up though. You know what up, though, is? They walk in. That's called what up, though. Everybody say what up, though. No, no, no. Not like this. You're like a bobblehead doing that. No, no. Follow me. Come on, everybody say what up, though. Come on. Loosen your neck up. Listen. I'm going to give you one more chance. This is Detroit. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to give you some cred right here. Detroit what up, though. So just kind of take your neck like this. Just what up, though. There you go. So next time you see somebody, you don't need to go into a, a big, long thing. Just give them a what up, though. Right, if Rodney walks in, we just saw each other you know, earlier today, and I just want to say, hey, let's give him a what up, though. Watch it, watch it. I'm having fun, but that's still acknowledging. See, sometimes what God is just looking for is just a what up, though. Just, just you slow down long enough to say, are we good here, God? Are you okay with this? Just slow down. Everything doesn't take three weeks of fasting and prayer. Some things do, but some things are just like, what up, though, God? I'm just trying to make sure you're good with this, God. I don't want to take off doing something that doesn't have your blessing on top of it. Shout amen, somebody. Amen. See, Benny Hinn, Benny Hinn wrote a book years ago called Good Morning, Holy Spirit. You know, and I mean, the book at the time was revolutionary because, you know, a lot, a lot of folks knew how to talk to the Father God. A lot of folks would communicate and, and praise Jesus, but many of us hadn't been taught to acknowledge the Holy Spirit. And the truth of the matter is, the one who's actually with us every day here is Holy Spirit. And one of the things you want to get into the habit of is just in the morning. I don't mean getting weird and spooky with it, but just in the morning, just acknowledging that the greater one is with me. That means everywhere that I go, I'm just acknowledging Holy Spirit is here too. Holy Spirit is here to guide me. He's here to direct me. And he knows you. He knows your personality. He knows what it takes for you to recognize he's talking to you. So if you take any steps or effort in his direction to acknowledge him in everything you do, he will slow down and make sure you have clarity about what his will is. Amen. Mark chapter 4, verse 23, we already read it, it says, if any man has ears to hear, notice it says, let him be listening. That means it's a continual process. It means that we don't just listen at the beginning, then take off and do the rest of it on our own. Let him perceive and comprehend. That's because God doesn't typically give us the total picture up front. Amen. Amen. God usually gives us just enough of the picture to start obeying him. That's why when Abram got ready to leave Ur of the Chaldees, God says, Get out of your country, get away from your kindred. He says, Go to a land that I will show you. Well, why didn't God just show him then? Because many times if God gives us the whole picture up front, we will take off and we stop listening. Remember when God told Abram in Genesis 15 or Genesis 22, he told him to take his son to Abraham, told him to take his son Isaac to a mountain that I will show you of, and I want you to sacrifice your son. When I, why did he just tell him which mountain up front? Because it took him three days to get there, and for three days he had to keep listening to God. Watch this, because his ear was fine-tuned to listening to God when he got to the mountain and the angel called out and said, no, you don't need to sacrifice your son. He was able to hear because he had been listening for three days. See, some of you, you absolutely heard from God, but you're not hearing from God because you've set in motion, this is how I do it. This is how we've been doing this, how we're always going to do it. And if you don't have your ear fine-tuned to constantly listening, you will miss a shift when God shifts in his direction. I'm preaching better than you saying amen. amen. See, if God had showed me everything that Impact Church was destined to do back in the beginning, I would have missed the mark, man. I'd have been in trouble. Because if he had showed me I was going to be packing up, moving to Florida, and we're going to be planting churches in other cities, and now, now having churches in, in in Peru and a church in India and uh, you know, another and place that we'll end up playing church. If he had showed me all of that on the front end, one of two things would happen. I would have either gotten frightened, thinking that's too big. God, you can't be talking about me. Or I would have gotten discontent with my current assignment. See, because sometimes if God gives us too much, we start thinking about what we believe we're supposed to do later. And we stop being faithful of what he's called us to do now. See, with God, there are no steps to get you there. <laughs> See, we got wherever you are right now is the perfect will of God. If you're in the will of God, then what God wants to do is stay faithful right here until I make it clear that there's a shift that's supposed to happen. And watch this. When God brings a shift, everybody that's a part of your spiritual journey, that's a part of your check-in, your your, your covering, will recognize there's a shift going. So sometimes God can't tell us the rest so that we don't end up getting discontent with the thing he's told us to do right now. Amen we got to go back to God and make sure we get the rest of the details. The sixth thing that will help to fine-tune your hearing is maintain a healthy respect for your spiritual leadership. Maintain a healthy respect for your spiritual leadership. Everybody needs spiritual leadership. Everybody needs to be connected to a local church. Shout amen, somebody. I don't mean just attending a local church. Come on, say amen, somebody. There's a measure of grace that is there when we are attending a local church. There's a different level of grace that is there when we become committed. Why? Because if we're just visiting a sheepfold, that means we got the right to kind of come in and go out and go, go let me go be a part of this sheepfold this week. Bah! <laughs> then let me come be a part of this sheepfold this week. Oh, that's a good word. Bah! What God wants us to do is get planted. When we get planted, why Says this? We get to know the great shepherd's voice, but we also get to know the under-shepherd's voice. Amen. And there's protection and wisdom that comes from the great shepherd's voice flowing through the under-shepherd's voice. Amen. Ephesians 4, verse 5 says, there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism. There's one God and Father of all who is over all, in all, and living through all. However, he's given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of of Christ. I told you a couple weeks ago that the veil has been torn, or last week, the veil has been torn, and that means we have a right to go to God for ourselves. Yeah. You don't need a pastor or a priest or anybody to be your intermediary. Thank God for counsel. We need counsel, but you have a right to go to God for yourself. We can go straight to the Father because there's one Lord, one God, one Father who's over everything. All of that is true. However, the scripture does say because of Jesus' generosity, he's given each one of us a special gift. Let me show you what one of those gifts is. Ephesians 4.11 says, now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. He gave apostles as a gift and prophets and evangelists. He gave pastors as a gift and he gave teachers. See, along with the other what we call five-fold ministry gifts, God intended for your pastor to be a gift into your life. Hear me out. I'm saying this as your pastor. God intends for your pastor to be a gift. Let me say this. He intends your pastor to be a gift, not a God. And sometimes the the pastors and the the, the congregants get that mixed up. Your pastor's not supposed to be a god in your life. Your life's not supposed to be ordered based on what just comes from the pulpit. Because what comes from the stage is supposed to be in line with the book. Which is why we got to know the book for ourselves. Because if the one on the stage, no matter what they are called, is telling you something that doesn't line up with the book, we're not supposed to obey that. Come on, that's why Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. If what I'm saying is not in line with Christ, then you're not obligated to follow it. But your pastor is supposed to be a gift. Watch this. Their responsibility is to. Let's put a colon right there. Because this is sometimes where people get mixed up. They get mixed up in not understanding what the role of their pastor or their pastoral team is supposed to be. Because our our, our pastor's role is not supposed to be to hang out and be our best friend. Come on, say amen, somebody. The responsibility of our our pastor is not supposed to to, to personally help us through every problem we face. The responsibility of our pastor is not supposed to be to attend every one of our personal functions. You still out there? You going home? I'm trying to help you understand how to hear from God. He says that their responsibility, watch this, is to equip God's people to do his work. Build up the church, the body of Christ. You want to know my job description? That's right there, to equip you to do God's work. Not to do it for you. Come on, somebody. Not to think you're incompetent and you can't do it. My job is to equip you, to come in here every single week and give you tools to grow up, mature, develop, so you can go out and do the work God called you to do. See, God intended for our pastor, our pastoral team, to be a gift in our life that helps mature us into the full purpose that he destined for our life. Now, can I just tell you this? Every person that has pastor or bishop in front of their name isn't necessarily a gift to us. I'm going to teach you. There's, there's, a lot of, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of hurting of the sheep that's taking place in the body of Christ. There's a lot of rock star preacher stuff that's going on in the body of Christ. And I want to quickly give you, the Lord gave me this. I want to give you this real quickly. How do you recognize if the if pastor is actually a gift to you or not? First thing that a pastor that's a gift is going to do is serve the people. So they say, a pastor who is a gift is going to serve the people. See, pastoring is not for what we can get out of this. You never hear me stand up reprimanding you because you didn't buy me a certain kind of watch. I don't need a watch from you. No, no offense. If, you, if, you, if you're led to do something for your pastor, that's fine. But there should be no expectation from a pastor of what they should get from their congregation or from their staff. That's why we don't, I mean, no offense, I'm not trying to compare us to anybody else. That's why we don't have a bunch of pastoral anniversaries and a bunch of this and that. Why? Because my job is to make sure I'm ministering to you. I'm here to serve you. I'm taken care of very well. My, my, my board takes good care of me. I'm not sitting here scraping pennies together. So I'm not sitting around complaining about what you all didn't do for me for my birthday or for Christmas or for Father's Day. I'm here to serve you, not to be served by you. In fact, if if the truth be told, the pastor is supposed to be the chief servant of everybody in the church. A pastor is a gift if they love the people. That's a pastor's job, to have genuine concern for your well-being. We should never get to the place where the church becomes so big that the pastor no longer cares. If the things happening in your church don't break your heart, even 25-plus years in, you ought to get out and go, go sell tacos, do something else. Because a pastor's got to love the people. Pastor number three has got to protect the people. Protect them. My job as an under-shepherd is to protect you physically, emotionally, spiritually. I knew it wasn't popular to add a bag check out there. I don't wanna, we don't want to have to check your bag anymore than you want us to check your bag. But my job is to make sure you can leave here safe every week. And the Bible says that we're supposed to be listening, and the world around us is getting more and more dangerous. I heard the Spirit of God say to me, make it harder for somebody to do stupid stuff in this church. That I mean you make it impossible. Well make it harder. That's my job to protect you, even when folks don't understand it's still my job to protect. A pastor that is a gift will refuse to manipulate the people. Come on, that means that people are not pawns to help fulfill a pastor's vision. People aren't pawns, just move around with no concern about how that affects your family and just shift you from one place to the next and, and then only come back, and give you any direction people are not pawns. My job as a pastor is to build you up, to help you fulfill the purpose of God. And if your purpose and my purpose intersect, and we get to keep doing ministry for the long haul. If at any part, to point your purpose and my purpose doesn't intersect, we're still in the same body of Christ, but I can release you in, in good faith to go do the rest of what God called you to do. Amen. A pastor who is a gift will have the people's best interest at heart. A pastor who is a gift, watch this, will be willing to sacrifice for the people. So the, those first six are on the pastor. Here, here's one that's, that's on you. A pastor who's a gift will be allowed by the people to actually shepherd the people. Yes. What are you saying? I'm saying you're the one who determines if your pastor ends up being a gift to you. Yes. See, there are certain things that a pastor's got to do to be considered a gift. But I can be a gift and still not be a gift to you if you won't allow me to shepherd you. Yes. What are you saying, Pastor. I'm saying our submission to righteous leadership on the earth is a picture of our submission to God's leadership in heaven. Remember the Bible says, how can you love God who you've never seen and hate your brother that you see every day? I think that principle works here. How can you say you're submitted to God and cannot be submitted to righteous leadership that's sitting right here in front of you? Amen? Amen. Hebrews 13, 7 says, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. The Bible says, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Then the scripture says this. It says, have confidence in your leaders. When I watch this, what if I don't have confidence in my leaders, pastor? If you don't have confidence in your leaders, can I tell you what you're supposed to do? Ask God to send you the leadership that you can trust. I'm talking about even if you're, even if you're a member of this church <laughs> If you're a member of this church and you don't have confidence in your leaders, pray. And I'm going to pray with you. Ask God to lead you to a church and to leadership you can have trust in. Because you cannot submit yourself to a leader that you don't trust. But if you do trust the leader and trust God working through the leader, then the Bible teaches us to be submitted to their leadership. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy and not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. Amen. Come on, that's good. Amen. Come on, that's good. So I went through a season some years ago, man, where I, I literally was spiritually abandoned for about two years. I was out here all by myself. I didn't talk about it, didn't say anything to the church, but I was out here spiritually abandoned, just, just winging it, man. Just my wife covering me, my, my team covering me. And then about about, about seven years ago, God connected me with Church of the Highlands and Pastor Chris Hodges. And when I tell you, this man and his wife have been a covering for us. Not only do they pray for us, we just left spending a few days with them, man. And and just to be able to walk out, when you walk out of your pastor's presence, it ought to build you up. It ought not tear you down. (laughs) You ought to walk out like you just got a breath of fresh air with with more wind in your sails to go and do what God has called you to do. Would you just put your hands together and thank God he's given me a pastor that loves us, come on, and protects us and covers us? But now watch this. Because he loves, protects, and covers us, I feel very comfortable submitting myself to him because every pastor needs a pastor. One reason why you got so much wild stuff happening out here in church is because so many pastors don't have anybody they're accountable to. They got friends in ministry, but they don't have anybody that can straighten them out if they ever get off track. We need that. Every one of us needs it. Number seven, embrace the voice of God in unusual places. Talk about how to fine-tune your hearing. you you still with me today? Embrace the voice of God in, in unusual places. In 1 Kings 19, it says, then he said, talking to Elijah, he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and, the, the, and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord, but the Lord wasn't in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. In other words, all these spectacular things, but the Lord wasn't in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. See, sometimes... God's still small voice can be found in the strangest places if we're actually listening. I remember years ago when I was still in college, actually, just like many of you, I was just, just learning to recognize God's voice. I remember April and I, we were leaving. I had an apartment. I stayed in the apartment. We, we were going from my apartment down to one of my friends' apartment where a bunch of my friends were gathered. So a lot of my frat brothers were gathered. And, and I, it's weird. I can remember like it happened yesterday. We walked in the house and the, into the apartment, and the television was on. And whatever show was on the TV, this was the line they said, the more you know about your enemy, the better chance you have to defeat them. And that had, it wasn't spiritual, it wasn't, wasn't a Christian program, it was a secular program, but that line stood out. It was God talking to me. And I've lived by that. The more you understand and know about your enemy, the better you are able to defeat them. I remember another time, that's, that's the voice of God in unusual places. I remember another time when It's 2014. And y'all didn't know it, but I had really found out who my actual biological dad was. And I'm wrestling behind the scenes with it and coming up on nine years right now from when I met my dad. And I I, I was sitting there struggling because I had found out who my dad was. I was kind of stalking my sister on Facebook and Instagram, kind of putting a story together as to who her family is. But I still hadn't decided if I was going to take the chance of actually reaching out to them. And I remember this day that, you know, I I walked in and Daryl Marshall walked up to me. And he had just met his uh, biological sister that he didn't know he had. And he's going on and on just telling me about the joy of meeting his sister and, oh, how great it has been. He had no idea that God was using him to give me confirmation to go ahead and reach out to my family. I reached out to my family nine years ago. It's been the best thing ever happened to me, man. <laughs> my dad is one of my best friends. Come on, somebody. What I'm saying sometimes God can speak to you through unusual means. God can speak to you through dreams. He can speak to you through prophecy. But don't get addicted to God having to speak to you through some dream or prophecy because you can go chasing after that. It might end up even getting confused and manipulated. I remember one other time. I'll, I'll let you go with this. I remember it was 2014, and my, my, my family from Detroit had just met my sister, and she and her family came down to Jacksonville, And it was two days before Thanksgiving, and we were going to go down to Universal Studios and spend some time down there hanging out with them, show them Orlando. And we were all getting up to leave that morning to to go down to Universal Studios. And for some reason, I was restless throughout the night. And I woke up at about 5 a.m., restless. And and so I went into my little family room like I normally would do, and I just started praying. I'm praying in the spirit, praying in the spirit. And all I keep hearing in my spirit is tires, tires. Well, I'm thinking to myself, I had just gotten my wife's tires rotated and, and had some work done in her car a couple of weeks before that. And they couldn't rotate the tire, all four of the tires, because two of the tires, the tread were worn down. They were recommending I replace them, but I knew they didn't have to be replaced yet, so I decided to hang on. I'm thinking to myself, God is telling me about these tires, so let me get them fixed. So I get up and go to the tire place at 7.30, waiting on them to open. They open at 8.00. I get two tires replaced on her car. I'm back at the house. We all take off, and we head to Orlando 9 a.m. that morning. All the way through Daytona, it is a torrential rain. I mean, it is raining. There's construction all throughout that area. We get all the way to Orlando. It is pouring down rain the entire trip. We literally can barely see as we're going. We get into Orlando, and instead of going all the way to the resort, we get off early at one of the exits. I wanted to take them to show them the building we were in at our Orlando church at that time. When we get off the exit, and we drive for about a mile, and I hear this, pull over to the side, get out and check. The back tire on the passenger side has a big piece of metal stuck in it. The front tire on the passenger side has a big nail stuck in it. And the enemy intended for that piece of metal and that nail to cause us to crash and burn while we're going down that highway and can barely see it in that rain. But the crazy part of it is, watch this, it wasn't even my wife's vehicle, it was mine. So there was no issue with her vehicle, but because, watch this, I was sensitive to God and got up to pray. I'm convinced. Me getting up to pray at 5 in the morning is what kept those tires together long enough for us to make it to an exit. Come on, somebody. What am I saying? Embrace the voice of God in strange places. See, sometimes God will speak to you, and you don't have the whole picture. All I knew is, is I was restless, so I got up to pray. I didn't roll over and keep trying to go to sleep. I knew this was not insomnia. This is God nudging me. Get up, son. I got up and started praying in the spirit. And all I could recognize is that God is saying something to me about tires. But I am convinced that my prayers kept that tire completely intact, (laughs) kept that tire from blowing out. Come on, kept my family safe. Why? Because he'll always guide you into all truth. He will always show you things to come. But we got to learn how to be sensitive enough to recognize when God is speaking. Come on, lift up your hands. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your voice. It's a calming voice. It's a reassuring voice. It's a voice of direction. It's a voice that helps us understand, Lord God, what you want what you're doing. Father, with everything in us, we love you. We honor you. And we thank you, Lord. You continue to speak to us. And you continue to fine-tone our hearing so that we know your voice and the voice of a stranger we will not follow. Now with every head bowed and every eye closed in prayer, if you're here today and you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I didn't say you were a bad person. You could very well be the nicest person in the building today and still not be saved. But if you're here today and you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, can I please pray for you? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to stand up and come here to the front of the church right there in your seat where you are. I want to lead you in a simple prayer, but this is a prayer that will change your life forever. So if you're in the room or if you're online and you can honestly say, Pastor, I'm not saved, or Pastor, I don't know if I'd go to heaven or not if I died today. Then I want to ask you, will you please let me lead you in a simple prayer? And I'm going to count to three in just a moment. When I get to three, if you are not saved, if you're not born again, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand as high as you can. I'm going to ask you when I get to three, don't wait, don't think about it, don't contemplate it, just shoot your hand up as high as you can. And that's going to be my indication that you're giving me permission to include you in on this prayer as I take time to pray for you this morning. So here we go. One, two, three. If that's you, lift up your hand. Thank you. I see that hand there. Beautiful. Another hand there. Thank you. Another hand right there. Thank you. Another hand there. I love it. Thank you. Another hand there. Thank you, ma'am. Another hand there. Another hand there. Beautiful. Come on all over the room. Hands are going up. Come on. If you're online, lift up your hand. Even if I can't see you, still lift up your hand right there at home, right there at the hotel, right there at the hospital, wherever you happen to be. Lift up your hand. Let heaven know you're saying yes to God's invitation today. Anybody else before we pray? This is as this is tough as it gets right here. Once you raise your hand, you can put it back down. We're not here to embarrass you. I'm just going to ask you to repeat this prayer. Mean it with all of your heart, and God's going to meet you right there at your seat. If you raise your hand, I want you to pray this prayer right there to yourself. Say, Dear God in heaven, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus to die in my place. He paid the price for my sin but you raised him from the dead, and I know he's alive right now. So Jesus, come into my heart, save me, forgive me, make me brand new. I surrender my whole life to you for the rest of my days, and according to the Bible, I am right now born again. Amen. Come on and help us celebrate impact.